A couple years ago, the floor in my guest bathroom started to feel a little bouncy. Then, one day, I pushed my foot down, and near the tub, I heard cracking. And a hole almost opened. I mean, what the f... Okay, rather than spit that four-letter gem out like I did then, I'll just tell you, I called my insurance guy at Saris Insurance. We were covered. So, after gutting and remodeling the guest bath and having to do a full remodel on the master bath, because, of course, as fate would have it, it shared a wall, the problem was solved and without painful insurance headaches along the way. Saris Insurance is an insurance broker, so they've got a whole stable of companies to take care of every one of your personal or commercial insurance needs, whether it's homeowners, auto insurance, business insurance, liability and umbrella policies are covering all those toys. From collectible cars to RVs, boats and motorcycles, you name it, Saris Insurance does the shopping for you, so you'll end up with the best rate and coverage for your specific situation. So, I know insurance isn't something you think about every day, but it sure is when you need it. Do yourself a favor and give yourself an insurance checkup just like I did before Saris Insurance became my insurance team so you don't find yourself with your pants down, so to speak, when you really need coverage. Give them a call at 503-719-7620 or visit them online at Saris Insurance. That's 503 503- Seven one nine seven six two zero or c a e r u s insurance dot com. It'll be one of the best things you'll ever do for your family, home, and business. So here's the story. It's about a guy named Bob. One day, Bob's burrowing around in a landfill in search of recyclables. He's pretty fascinated and at the same time disgusted by what he's coming across. Part of the task that he was assigned was to make sure that the landfill had enough oxygen so it wouldn't catch fire. A win-win in service to the environment. While this was pretty interesting, it wasn't really where Bob saw his life going. He enrolled in college, and while there, he meets another guy who's a cop. The cop offers Bob the chance to do a ride-along, and what 20-something-year-old guy wouldn't want to do that, right? It's an offer he couldn't refuse. However, while they're on the ride-along, Bob finds out the cop is planning to move into firefighting. That changed everything. Our guy graduates with a degree in fire science, then goes into a 16-week fire academy. After graduation, he had to do some time in the ER as part of his training. Like the landfill, the gore really didn't faze him, and in fact, he thought it was kind of fascinating. But just to be clear, I'm not talking about a Hannibal Lecter fascinating, more like a paramedic and healthcare kind of way. So we're all good. Our friend Bob doesn't have any big freezers in his garage or anything like that. Now, The process of getting an open spot as a firefighter is incredibly competitive. So Bob starts out as a paid-per-call firefighter, while he continued to put in for openings across the West Coast. And since he wasn't full-time yet, he filled in with another service gig as a head maitre d' at a four-star restaurant. I guess he figured that would be pretty helpful when it was his night to help in the firehouse with meals. Then one day, Bob takes the firefighter exam in Coos Bay, Oregon, where they're looking to fill three slots. 500 people took the test, and guess what? Bob finished fourth. Now, fate has a funny way of changing lives. One of the three guys that got hired 
goes out to celebrate being a lunkhead, driving around in the sand dude and crashes his car and he loses an eyeball. So he's out. Bob gets the call and goes to the firehouse instead. He finally landed in his dream job. Okay, so that fate thing again? Bob's going through a tough time at home, going through a divorce, and there's a joint custody thing was pretty dicey because, of course, he's always at the firehouse. Then one day at the firehouse, the alarm goes off and they respond to a warehouse fire. While Bob's inside working the fire, the building collapses. Three of his brother firefighters lose their lives while Bob and another guy make it out. So with me today is Bob Bora a guy who served both as a firefighter, a police officer. I think he was in, he is in elk. Yes. Yes. Currently in elk, currently uh, in charge of the uh, Sherwood elk at this time. Okay. An elk, a, an ambassador in his local chamber, a bingo caller, and just uh, all round guy that's focused on service. So Bob, thanks for joining me today. Why don't we go back to the warehouse fire and, how did that whole event change the course of your trajectory? That pretty much changed my life. That was a whole different ball game in and amongst itself. So it's like, anyway, that warehouse fire, if anybody was around during that time, there was a warehouse fire in Coos Bay that, um, uh, auto parts store. And then in the back, that was a machine shop and we got there and there was very light smoke. That was it. Not much in there at all. Um, but as the fire progressed about a half hour into it, all of a sudden it got very, you know, it's very quiet. The smoke got really, really, really thick. Um, and at that point it was time for a change because my bottle was out. I was in charge of the first group, second group coming in, uh, was there, gave command the, uh, what was happening. And at that point in anywhere in fires, you can talk pretty good in them. They're easy enough. But at this point we were mask to mask and we could barely hear each other because the noises were so muffled. Then mm. uh, the next step, uh, tripped over a hose getting out of there, stood up. And then next thing you know, the roof collapsed, blew me down the stairs, knocked me unconscious, knocked another guy down the stairs and it trapped three other guys upstairs in the uh, upstairs mm. room. Needless to say, by the time I woke up training, uh, training, training, thank God for training. That's all I got to say. But they train you how to get out of a fire if there is no more air in your mask, if you're out of air. And guess what? I had about 90 feet to go, but I couldn't get up because I had the roof laying on top of me. So mm-hmm. I had to push all that stuff aside. About 90 so feet at, at this point, is the other person who got out near you or did you, did you just not know where anybody else was at this? Time? I had no idea where anybody was at. No idea. So okay. um so by the time I got out of the building, approximately about a minute or so later, I yelled at the horn or the ca- captain in charge to blow the evacuation horns, which means everybody get the heck out. Doesn't matter. You hear it. It goes. Everybody cared. I don't care. Get out. And at that point, within about 30 seconds, the other guy came out um, right behind me. So he's still working for Coos Bay to this day. So, okay. um, so that was a tough day. That was a right. Well, on top of whatever, all the other stuff going on in your personal life where you were going through a divorce and, you know, the custody issues because you were a firefighter, you got, you know, you're at the firehouse. And so, and did you suffer injuries yourself? Obviously, yes. No, 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 no injuries. Just it's all 
psychological, it's all right? It's right. all it's all a mental thing. So it was it was a difficult difficult time at that point. I think I took thirty or sixty days off of work. Mm-hmm. So, so I had enough vacation time, and there was a lot of cruise. Thank God for cruise throughout the state. They covered our shift, which was fantastic. That's a great thing in the world to do. So yeah. So as you're kind of processing all of that over that time and thinking about where you're at, how did, was it an easy call to make? I mean, I know I have several friends who are firefighters and that it it is something that is probably in your DNA, you know, I, I can't imagine any of the, any of those friends of mine stepping away easily from that no. work. That was probably the hardest thing to ever do is to step away from that. Cause it is, it's a very tough career to get into. And like you said, it's in your blood. Once you get it, it's, it's there. So, I mean, many years ago, trying to get into that job there, you know, I started down in Southern California, multiple different places, but the average was about five to 8,000 people applying for anywhere between one to two positions. That's it. Mm -hmm. Nothing else. And so you're competing with guys after guys, after guys, after guys. So it is a very tough mental competitive field to get into. So when you do get into it, you never leave. Yeah. That's, and it's just, it's one of those things. But this time I had to get out of it because during the time I was living in Eugene, commuting to Coos Bay every day for about two years. That was a long haul, but I loved it. It was a great trip and everything like that. Um, had a little CB in my truck and I got to talk to all the truckers and say they knew who exactly <laughs> I was. So they called me Speedy Bob because I would pass them all. And then they would tell Speedy me where Bob. the police officers were down the road so I wouldn't get caught, you know, before. Are, um, are they the only people in your life who've called you Speedy Bob? Hey now, hey now. <laughs> so, <laughs> but, so. Uh, anyway, on that, it's like uh, going through the divorce. I, I would have lost custody of my kid um, because I didn't have any immediate family here, and that at the time with doing twenty-four hour shifts, because the, the rest of your family is in Southern California, family. right? Yeah, everybody. The closest relative that I had was in San Francisco. Okay. So, and we had family, quote unquote, family up here that. Um, We've known while before the kids were born, they watched the kid while I was on shift and working. I mean, they knew her better than I did because I was gone most of the time, but still the courts wouldn't take any of that stuff. So with that, that's why I had to make the decision. It's time. I have so to quit. you were a firefighter for like, you started out as a pay per call. Right. Right. And, and so how long were you a firefighter? 10 to 13 years, somewhere in there. Okay. I, I can't remember because I started off volunteering down there somewhere around 93, 90, somewhere around there because that's when I was doing all that schooling and everything like that. So I was doing anything I could that was medical fire related. So it's just a blur on that point. Right. Somewhere in there. And so did you think about it growing up oh, or, no. or was it something that kind of hit you when you were in college? Like when, the, when you did the ride along with the cop and he started yeah. talking about it. Yeah, it was one of those things. I didn't think about this stuff. I actually, here's the uh, crazy thing is um, I actually, before I got into this, going to college, trying to figure out what I wanted to do, I actually thought about being a pastor. That's, <laughs> <laughs> so that's, that's, uh, <laughs> so yeah, that's, uh, that's, it was one of those things. And then, then I changed, you know, a little bit. Then I thought about going into environmental consulting and, um, yeah, just all kinds of fun, different career things that I tried to think about. But then, you know, 
doing an elective class. I was in a volleyball class and I met a police officer there. And that's when that ride along happened. And that's where the itch happened, you know, sitting behind that car, going through the stuff, just having fun. I did, I don't know, geez, a couple dozen ride alongs with him. And he's still a good friend of mine today down in California. He's a fireman now, mm-hmm. but he wanted to be a fireman. And so that's how he's like, hey, try and do this. Don't be a police, try and do fire. So, and then that's, he got me started on that. And that's what got me doing that. Once I took that first class, that was it. Nothing yeah. turned me back. I mean, I, I went from B's, maybe C's, somewhere in there to solid straight A's. Found the passion. Oh, yeah. Okay. Now, the process, you you, you kind of talked about that a little bit and some of the background information you gave me. You have to do in it a separate test for each city right. that you apply to, Right. Right. So the and way that that like a written in a physical. Yeah. It, it's kind of like a seven, eight part testing process. First back then, this is before the internet was there. You had to get an application. They would say, you've got a day to get the application. So you'd have to drive all over to pick up the application. And you got to return it back by a certain time frame. That was the first test to finding it. The second was to get the application. The third was to make sure it's in on time. That's three tests right there. Cause there's a lot of cutoffs on that. Next was the test. You had to take a written test. Had you know, Once you passed the written test, then you would do a physical ability test. If you passed the physical ability test, then you got to go to your first interview. You got the first interview, possibly the second interview. If you made it past the second interview, then you got another interview. Then you had to go to a physical to go get your doctor thing. Um, <laughs> he uh, points with a finger. Yeah, then you sit down with a chief interview. And then at that point, they decide who they're going to hire. So it's it's a anywhere from a seven to ten part process, and each one of those things are just I mean you got to be on your game. Big so time. how many of those did you go through? Uh, I think about forty seven. Wow, forty seven of those tests throughout the California, Southern Nevada area, and Central California to Tahoe area, and then I started saying, hey, I need to start testing out of state, and then that's where. Um, cause it was so difficult. I mean, even I worked part-time for two part fire departments down in California, even working. So, so it one was of those. years before you got in. Oh, good yeah. God. Yes. I mean, by the time I graduated the Academy to the time I got in full time, it was almost a three year stint. So at it's, which it's point dedicated. you were a mater D. <laughs> that was a nice man. I'll be your mater D. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that was just, that was a little one little gig because afterwards after I got out of the academy I didn't have many jobs and one of my friends was uh at the restaurant and they said hey we need um somebody to come in here to kind of run the front desk and then after time they had made me the med hater d major d the head guy and then uh I was also training with the sommelier to learn all the wines and so that's where um I learned about my wines which I love today and you know so I started doing sales of wines as well as Mater d stuff and that was a nice four-star restaurant that was back then in the 90s an average meal in there for one person was about 120 bucks so so did that skill set serve you well in the firehouse no because i had no idea how to, how to cook at all let's just say my very first meal that i had to cook at the firehouse was at brea fire department when i was a you know uh, reserve there and mm-hmm. they said okay what are you going to make? I'm like, Hey, let's make burritos. I, how can you go wrong making a burrito? Right. Yeah. Oh, good God. They, let's just say that they all threw the food away 
and I had to pay for going out to eat. It was that bad. So, right. but in time, guess what? Um, I started cooking for everybody and I loved it. That was my, that became another passion is cooking. I love that. So yeah. As a firefighter, you probably see a lot of crazy stuff, right? Love it. Oh yeah. yeah. But I can't say half that stuff on here, man. Jeez. <laughs> uh, why? <laughs> I know. I just, that was probably the craziest. It was the most fun thing in the world to see there. Every day was totally different. You can go on the same breathing person having difficulty every day and it's totally different. I mean, I've seen it all. You name it. I've seen it. I've been there. I've helped them out. I've cut them out. I mean, but I think one of my favorites, because I was one of the tiniest guys there. There's another guy that was smaller than me. Yes, I put on a few pounds now, but hey. Um, <laughs> but um, they used to make me crawl inside the cars if they were overturned. Uh-huh. The trauma, you know, get the people all together. And there's times in there they put me in the car while they're cutting the roof off while I'm holding the, you know, patient's stable covered with a towel explaining to them what's going to happen you're going to hear this loud boom as they cut the roof open and I, that was fun i loved every bit of that stuff yeah so yeah one of the days there was a we're sitting down there at literally 5 4 30 ish whatever at the end of the day and all of a sudden we're just just mellowing out and all of a sudden one of the guys saw a mouse run through the kitchen okay so we start to chase this mouse finally get it cornered into one room which we know that there's zero holes because we just redid it literally plastered all the holes did all there's no way that that mouse can get anywhere and it went behind a file cabinet skinny bob here i go i was the only one that could fit between there well i had to my head sideways down the thing my leg in front of the cabinet so i can't really see it's a four tall cabinet nick next thing you know i see the tail of the mouse and i'm like it's back here guys i see it and they're like they're watching me blocking it you know not getting out the door and I'm like, do you see it? They're like, no, your foot's in the way. Next thing you know, as I move the cabinet, I'm like, it just ran away. Did, where'd it go? I don't know. We don't, we don't see it. We're, and I'm like, where the, whoa, up Next pants. Thing I know, right up my pants. And I'm like, <laughs> oh my God, these guys are in tears laughing. I run out into the bay. The doors are open. It's the five o'clock rush hour. And I drop my drawers and boink, <laughs> up pops this little mouse. <laughs> I've never heard those guys laugh so hard in all my life. He was looking for the baited trap that was They're up there. They were looking for the cheese. <laughs> right. You know those little those little uh, uh, humane traps with the hole? Oh, That's what he was looking for. Kind of hole. But, um, <laughs> he thought it was fudge. <laughs> oh, my God. I got stories for days at the fire department. That's where I had more fun. I was I was known as a joker, and when I left, they were they were sad because was nobody – your best? Nobody played jokes anymore. I played jokes on the chief even. I didn't care who it was. After life as a firefighter, you land in the insurance game. Yes, hero to zero. Whoop, whoop. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. And, and not, not just insurance, but singing insurance. Oh, you, thanks for bringing that yeah. one up. Yeah. Yeah. We're so gonna... if you're listening along, Bob's my insurance agent, and I, I made him... Give us a few bars of that. Mm-hmm, that mm-hmm, am fam. Mm-hmm. Oh, That's come as on. As I can go. There's copyright yeah. infringements on there. Yeah. I'm not there. All right. <laughs> All right. All right. So um, you're in the insurance game for a few years. And then you uh, meet your wife, your, your current wife, remarried, right? Yeah, just recently. And then, oh. I don't know, did you hear... Uh, a village people song and it got you thinking about wearing a badge and a uniform again or how did that go 
don't make me put on my feather. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, no, that was a, another one of those things that um, I had no idea. You know, because you were how in, old at this point? What's that? You're, you're like 50, 40, 47, 48. Man, when I first did that, that was yeah, mid 40s. When you got, went back to 40s, the police. Somewhere, somewhere like that. Um, yeah. Anyway, no, I'm doing a, a ribbon cutting at a financial firm and, you know, for the Chamber of Commerce, which thank you, uh-huh. Chamber, for uh-huh. putting me where I am today. So, met a, the, the, bro- the head broker there, and he found out that I was a fireman. And so, with that, he and I created a good bond to this day. And um, he's since retired. He was a, uh, a pastor, go figure full-time um that was hit a job <laughs> you still can't believe it was, was going to be a pastor. no that's kind of a yeah hearing some of the jokes you tell me and in, innuendo you share i can't i <laughs> <I've> can't <changed. laughs> anyway, um but anyway he uh brought me into his office and he started showing me all this stuff with the uh, police department and that intrigued me and he chased me around for a couple of years after that before i really said hey because i mean it better be you know three four months he'd call me up and say hey what do you think about doing this? What do you think about doing this? Come on, come on. So anyway, I finally said, let's do a ride along. Let's see what I can do. Gosh, darn it. If it didn't hook me again, that's all I got to say. Yeah. It, it hooked me again. And then next thing you know, that test to be a reserve came up and I took it and there was about a so hundred people what there. Was, so. What was that like? Because, you know, your wife married an insurance guy in a day and age when unfortunately police have become targets and um the media of course portrays the all you see is the bad the the small percentage of bad cops on tv and so that is you got to walk out there with that uh profile on your back what was your what was that conversation like what you know well it it was a strange one but it goes back into the uh, fire department days. Once it's in your blood, public service, it's in your blood. Either you want it or you got to have it. Public service is by far my favorite thing in the world. By far. I mean, if somebody were to just say right now, hey, I'd get you back into being a fireman right now. Okay. You know, but now firemen age restrictions are there. They're, they don't right. stay, but there's right. there. But um Anyway, but, you know, it was one of those things I kind of liked it, kind of enjoyed it. And, you know, just telling her about that. And she's like, you're crazy. You are crazy. But if you want to do that stuff to make you happy, go for it. So it just, it took a little bit of time to convince and to do before that finally happened. But once it happened, then it was, she was fully supportive, 100% supportive. So it was was really good um, during that time. So I used to work one or two days a week, just part-time, go after work and, you know, work, you know, what? eight until about five in the morning and go home and sleep. Cause I would be exhausted, you know, Friday and Saturdays and then come to work. And I, I tell you what, that was a blast. Absolute blast. I mean, the, the things that are out there, the crews that are out there, the people that are there, it's great. I mean, now to actually see both sides, it just, it was just a wonderful thing. So the, you know, again, I, I, I do have several friends who are firefighters. I have friends also who are police and every once in a while, when we all get together for a reunion or whatever, the the guys that are the cops are there, you know, we're standing around having a couple beers, standing around the grill. And then the the firefighter crew walks in and the cops, you know, we're all buddies. Oh, yeah. But the guys that are cops say, hey, heroes, 
<laughs> you know, talk to me about that. Oh, that was, uh, I got razzed. Trust me. I, I truly got razzed. All the guys at the, the police department, they would say, why and why did you leave? Why would you want to leave that great position and come over to this position? So even they have laughed about it. And the same yeah. thing, the guys at the fire department, they're laughing at me. You dumbass, you know, yeah, but yeah. it's just that same exact it, police and fire have always, you know, if you've got your buddies yeah. that are in both, they, yeah. they tack each other all the time, man. Yeah. They're just always on each other, which is fun. So, yeah. But the thing is it, you actually, I actually got quite a bit of respect because I actually did both. So, yeah. Now you were not a, a police officer for too long. Mm-hmm. Once you went there, mm-hmm. what, what led to you leaving the police department? It just wasn't the, you know, it just, uh, with the business here, things changed, uh, things changed over there. And so it's like, you know what, the wife took over the business here and it just, here it is. So I come back. And so now, you know, we own this business and it's a lot safer. Yeah. My wife likes it now that she doesn't you have think? to. <laughs> yeah. Well, the worst thing is, is sitting in the restaurants and, you know, I always had to sit my back against the wall so I could see everybody in there because right. I didn't know who would be there. But there's a couple times that uh, sitting in the restaurants that I'd be staring and she would notice that I, my head was turning and wasn't looking at anybody else but this person. Next thing you know, it's the person that I arrested about eight hours ago. They're out right. and they're in the same restaurant that I'm at and they they saw me. So, yeah. so talk, talk to me about that uh, aspect of being uh, behind a badge. And well, how that changes your perspective when you're out in public, out, out of the uniform. You're much more aware. You are so much more aware. I mean, you're, you're watching everybody because everybody, you saw everything that happens. And you're just, you're, even though you're off duty, you're still, you're easy going, but you're still watching. It's, yeah. it's, a, it's a hard thing to turn off sometimes. It's kind of just it's hard to twist that thing unless you're in your own backyard or you're right. in your own family space or anything like that. But when you go out to the same cities that you work in, it's, it's hard. So, and you know, I, th- I think unfortunately there are occasions too, when firefighters get that too. That's weird because I've never, ever, ever had that. I mean, ever that's, that's a strange thing to hear, but you know, yeah. back East, I'm telling you anything East Northeast is a whole different firefighting. Yeah, ballgame. They, they've got every once in a while, I'll see one methods. of those stories. Yeah they've got their own methods of thing. Whereas the West coast and everybody else has their own different yeah. things. It's like, we had to deal with that with the chief that we had. He came from Baltimore, I think is where mm-hmm. he came from on there. And we had to retrain him how to fight fires on the West coast. And it was not a good thing. So more of our conversation right after this. Hi, Drew Zagorski here. And I got two words for you. Direct mail to a business owner those are two of the scariest words in the universe because they only bring to mind big dollar signs little return on investment well there's a better way to reach and stay in front of engage your customers prospects and cohorts now here's two more words constant contact yep i've used them for years for my businesses and the bottom line is this it works. In fact, if you go to you don't say.net, you can sign up for my email and you'll never miss another episode of You Don't Say. For pennies per contact as compared to direct mail, I can reach and connect with up to 500 contacts. Yep, 500 contacts for as little as 20 bucks a month. 
Constant Contact provides powerful email tools that include a library of awesome design templates, list management and reporting, event management, polls, and more, as well as a website builder with e-commerce capabilities. So, if you're looking for a way to stay in front of your audience, Constant Contact is everything you need. And here, I'll make it easy for you to find them. Simply go to bit.ly forward slash YDS stories. Again, that's bit.ly forward slash YDS stories to start your free trial account today. What do you think it's important for civilians to know this really truthfully very small percentage of bad cops right? or arrests that do go bad right. because somebody picks up a black cell phone in a threatening way and you got to make that uh, a, a decision in fractions of a second that is life or death. So what 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 should people know about being a police officer to kind of help put some perspective on what goes on and when we see these things? Just give the police their space. Give them their space. When they're on duty, give them their space. You can go talk to them, be friendly with them, but they're going to be constantly watching over your shoulder. Um if you do get arrested or you get pulled over or you just comply. Cause the thing is the more at ease you are, the more at ease the police are going to be. If you start tensing up and start balking and start yelling and start doing, guess what? We're going to be a lot more tense. It's going to be a lot. It's tougher on you. And so it makes the conversation go South real fast. And at that point it, it changes the whole ball game. You're kind of on edge even harder at that point. So. And that's just, it's one of those things. It's so I would say just, you know, give them their space when they're working, you know, if they're on the side of the road, give them space, move over. Don't slow down. Don't look at them. Don't stare at them. Just drive, go past them. Yes. They pulled somebody over. Great. You know, most of us have been pulled over. Right. At least I have many times. Right. (laughs) The, uh, on our website, you don't say.net in the episode description for this episode, you can find a link to the Malcolm Gladwell Revisionist History podcast, which I'm about to make a reference to. Um, one of the other podcasts that I listen to is Revisionist History, Malcolm Gladwell's podcast. Um, I don't know if you're a big podcast listener, um, but anyway, Malcolm's a brilliant guy, but he was talking about an incident a shoot where where a, um, a suspect was gunned down. And they, of course, the media and people there with phones jump on it and they put the, the snippet of the video that serves their purpose right. on YouTube. And right. so, the, you know, it creates demons out of both, not just the cop, but the, the person who was shot. Right. Um, and you don't really see the whole end-to-end, you know, dashboard cam or uh, uh, chest cam that the cop has on, um, you only see it from when somebody walked up and saw the end of it. Right. Um, Which is unfortunate. But this uh, episode of Gladwell's podcast talked about that because he saw that end piece that a civilian put up on YouTube about what happened. And so he now, you know, he started to process that and think that it was like this really heinous abuse of power, you know. Um, And then he sought out a forensic um, analyst, video analyst, 
who does you know this in court cases and whatnot but and was able to see the whole video of this incident end to end and you know what it doesn't show is the police showing incredible restraint and trying to get this guy who first of all smashed into them then sped away let him on a chase and and kind of not just on a chase but did it slow enough so that the cops could get close to him and actually so they were surmising that the guy was looking for suicide by cop right you know um and so they chased him and he finally got out of the car um you know it was i guess um a darker part of the day he he the, the cops are all yelling you know get down on the ground, get down on it. And he doesn't comply. Just like you said, he doesn't comply. He comes forward and then he reaches to the center of his back, which is typically where if you got a gun, that's where you're going to keep it. And he pulls it around and it's his phone and he lifts it up as if he's aiming it. And so the officer had to make that call, ended up shooting him fatally, unfortunately. Um, and then the, he gets up again, the, the guy that was shot, and again picks up his phone and he gets shot again. And what it doesn't show is the end of that when this cop is just bawling, leaning on his cut. You know, he just can't believe what happened. Um, and, you know, I think that's a really heavy burden that police officers carry and and um so i respect what you do not only that but just the firefighter part of it too i mean walking into how many people walk into a burning building willingly you know right just like that thing in la you know this past week you know that thing just that's scary so anyway i think you know it's important for people to get perspective and um and that's kind of one of the things that they tell you as well too it's like you know, even going through the academy, going through the training, going through probation, they almost kind of insinuate, make sure you do this as fast as you can within the first 30 seconds before people can grab their phones. Because that's when it can get bad, you right. know, is, and it, the thing is, it's, they don't know half of the things that are out there. Like, you know, it's like no officer ever wants to squeeze that trigger. Nobody wants to. That is the last thing that you want to ever do. I mean, to, take someone's life is just, it's astronomical. I mean, to the very first time that I was around, you know, as a fireman and the first person that died in front of me, I was like that police officer. I was bombing my eyeballs out yeah. to the other side of the rig because I couldn't handle it. But after, after a while you learn, you got a good crew, you got a good group of people, you got all these things, but no officer ever wants to squeeze that trigger. And the thing is they teach you how to squeeze that trigger. They know how, so usually you got about a five pound pressure gauge. If that, bang and it goes off and they teach you in the you know how to do this they they we you know you practice shooting quarterly every quarter you have to shoot off so many rounds and you learn to feel your gun every single time but they encourage you to go out and shoot a lot more but that's right. you never want to couldn't even think about it yeah. doing it purposefully i mean i've had i came close but that was about it and thank yeah. god it just backed off yep um it's rough i again yeah. you know i appreciate your willingness to step into that both of those shoes, you know, twice in your life going there. But I want to shift gears a little bit to something a little bit. 
<laughs> something a little bit lighter. Uh, to me, talk, beautiful. We had to get one of those, right? <laughs> Go it's bound to have, this is about the most mellow conversation I think we've ever had, Drew. Probably, <laughs> probably, uh, not not even probably. It is, but I want to I want to talk about bingo calling. Oh. Um, talk to me about your career as a bingo caller and maybe share with us some of your greatest hits. Oh, yeah, because I'm so shy. I hate right. to be in front of people. I, I don't like to So talk. where do you call bingo? Uh, I call bingo at the Elks. Well, not now. Obviously, this whole crazy pandemic, mm-hmm. it's going to be quite a while. But um, I call bingo once a month at the Elks. Um, it, when I started getting involved with the Elks and became an officer of the Elks and everything else, they're like, all right, shy boy, get up front, start playing with the balls, and start. Oh. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Say what? <laughs> la la la. Anyway, <laughs> so yeah, needless to say, they uh, kind of just threw me off the deep end. Right. And uh, let's just say that when the wife goes and watches me play bingo, she just she, she just covers she her does. face and. Yeah, because it's like, you know, it's, you name it. It's like it's been a couple of months since I've called now. But, I mean, everything that I try and do, it can be fun. I mean, every time somebody wins, I always yell, whoop, whoop. And, you know, and yeah. then, you know, at one point, it just it cracked me up. They, the, their entire goal is to get me to snort and laugh while I'm calling. <laughs> You're calling 069? I don't. I refuse. That <laughs> one I refuse. I will not go there. No. <laughs> what if you get it though? I mean, you got to call it. Hey, if you get it. <laughs> so, so, um, now to come back, come back to the service part of your life. What do you, what do you got to say to young people in terms of service? Bit it up, <sighs> Bob. <laughs> I <can't. laughs> uh, yeah, just. <clears throat> service just uh, to service everybody <laughs> just <laughs> if you just remember you're out there for servicing everybody when it came to public service <laughs> you're there to help everybody especially right being a fireman but they seriously you, folks we seriously folks no <laughs> yeah. but no service is one of those things it's just you got to think of any time, yes, it's an inconvenience for your house being burned, okay? It's an inconvenience if you got a car wreck. It's an inconvenience that um, somebody broke into your house. It's an inconvenience that you got pulled over doing 70 miles over the speed limit. It's an inconvenience. That's what you got to think about. But just know, on the other hand, the service people that are out there, they're doing these things to save you because had that person, the house, they're trying to protect your house and the goods that are still in there. That's one of those things. Service. Treat them like you are wanting to be saved at that point. Everything is like that. And, you know, it's like the same thing. Somebody's speeding. I mean, I give a guy, you know, he's doing 32 miles over the speed limit at 2 o'clock in the morning. Pulled up over him. And my the other buddy that was in the car, the officer was there. He came. I went over there, talked to him. And it was a grandpa picking up his son or his grandson from the airport, 2 o'clock in the morning, that was just got back from Iraq. He was talking with him. And he was just... He lost in conversation. Yeah. You're supposed to write him a damn ticket. Guess what? I let him go. I gave him a warning ticket. Went back and the officer's like, why did you let him go? And I told him, and he's like, good boy. Let's go find yeah. the next one. Okay. Just treat like you want to be treated. 
treat Good the people boy, that do the service like you want to be treated because it's yeah. not their fault you were speeding, not their fault they're doing this stuff, not your fault that the house caught fire unless you've got meth growing in there, then it's your fault. So, yeah. So, but no, and the same thing, service, same, you know, with the Elks, that's all we do is service, love service. I always make, you know, I try to make everybody happy. That's my job. I love making people happy. <laughs> you sure do, Bob. <laughs> <laughs> so what's next for you, Bob? Yeah, I, I don't know. I, that's a great question, man. I mean, I love what I do here. This is still service. Yeah, it's, right. you know, I go from, think about it, my jobs. I go from hero, fireman to zero insurance uh-huh. to below zero. Some people think it's a police officer to a little bit higher to insurance. But you know what, what happens when you get your car damaged, when your house catches on fire, you, you need them when you get them. Okay. So yes, it's expensive, but when you truly need it, when you've had too many dookies in your toilet rots, you need to <laughs> call us. Okay. So <laughs> yeah, we're not naming names on that one. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> so, um, Bob Bora, firefighter, police officer, elk, bingo caller, insurance guy, guy that walks little old ladies across the street, and so on. What a, what a what an incredible life you've led, Bob. There's still so much more. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Life's too short, man. You know, and I became super happy and giddy after that. It was stuffy before, but after that fire thing, that made me giddy. Everything I do is smile. Everything I do, yeah. I laugh at, you know? So Everything else is gravy, right? Done. Done. Yeah. You know? Right. It is what it is, you know? And that's why I try and teach the kids and try and teach everybody else in life, you know, why are you being grumpy about this? Just let it go, you know? You know, one of the best recommendations you ever gave me was that corned beef stand in Culver City. Get it on there, pack it in there. You know, it's like, you think you got enough. That's a great place. What Drew's talking about places in Culver City. My grandparents used to live there. My dad's there. And I just remember going there as a kid. Um, yeah. I forget the name of the place. You remember what the name of it is? Uh, anyway. Anyway. Worst case scenario, they get you this hoagie roll and some fresh. Down the street um, from Tito's Tacos. Yeah. Fresh, fresh pastrami sandwich. They lay yeah. it on. It's, it's like literally this thick. Right. Puts it down, squeezes it, opens it, puts it on more, puts it on, squeezes it, puts more on, and then he gives it to you. That service makes you want to come back. That's what I try and do here. I try and teach everybody about insurance, try and make them happy about insurance. I try and make them happy in life, you know, and that's where um, at the the Elks Lodge, we're actually growing, which hasn't happened in a while. Because every time I get there, I'm I'm encouraging people to bring their kids, to bring the family, to bring the fun. Here we come. Tell me about the Elks. What? What's what's the Elks all about? The Elks is a service, again, a service yeah. organization that is um, a nationwide organization that started approximately 100 plus years ago. Um, and do you, have to wear, do you have to wear antlers like Fred and Barney? No. Okay. Um, you, if you were to come to a meeting and if you were to become a member, you could see me wear my jewels around my neck. <laughs> I don't I just can't I don't want that visual sorry uh, no it's basically a service organization and I, that's one thing is great because the thing is um we just housed I think what we just uh, grant gave a grant or whatever somewhere of like five thousand dollars we just gave away to the community 
um, for the homeless people. We also do um, some food drives. We do backpacks. Uh, to the less fortunate, we do food drives during the um, Christmas time with presents and two to three boxes of food for people that need it. Doesn't matter who you are, we'll just give it to you. Here you go. We deliver it to you. That's one of the things. Next, as we go around, we help the community by cleaning things up. Um, we also go around. We build ramps for veterans that can't um, get up on the stairs. Uh, we do. If you ever wondered where to get rid of your flag, if you fly American flag, take right. it to the Elks. We do a ceremony to properly dispose of the flags um we do good god we just the elks is just one of those things i mean i had no idea i went there because i thought it was going to be a bar my dad right. took me there and i'm telling you what it's is more your dad a member oh he's Obviously. been a member for my dad's been a member for 40 something years down in uh, california yeah um but i'm telling you once you actually realize what it is yeah it, it makes you want to do more. That's why I ended up getting on the board and why I'm in charge this year. Cause I just, I wanted to do it. And that's the thing. I mean, I, I, my wife says I'm there too much, but Hey, I'm not there enough. Cause I want to meet everybody and help everybody I possibly can. So. And how many chapters are there in the United States? You know, dude, I have no idea. Thousands. Um, there's where, where can, if somebody's, there. if somebody's interested in looking into the Elks, where, what's the website? Uh, elks.org. You can go to the elks.org and uh, look at that or contact me or contact anybody on there. Um, you can just show up to an Elks Lodge and, you know, they'll let you in. You're supposed to have a guest, which is the way to do it. But yeah, I mean, if you, man, I'm telling you what, if you want to go for the bar scene, great. That's fine. You know, if you want to go for, you know, cheap food, eh, great, go for it. But if you want to actually do other things as well, too, then that's that's what I, that's what I'm in it for. So, but yeah, anybody that's at the Elks, Elks.org nationwide, um, a lot of it has our RVers travel throughout the U.S., stay at all these Elks places. It's another great place, too. So they charge you for right. it. But, you know, it's a place and you got camaraderie, you got, you know, fun people. You learn everybody that goes and, on. And so. so like connections, right? Yeah. Um, so you leave out a portland and drive to i don't know chicago montana or wherever right yeah well yeah just to give you an idea it's like i went on a cruise um to alaska this past year and the crews were there for a long time i mean we're in port for like seven eight hours at this little tiny place that you could walk up and down the street in an hour so at that point i took my badge or my little card and went to the elks lodge over there and i tell you what open arms they don't care who you are you're an elk. Come on in. And, you know, it's just, it's kind of cool. So. All right. Well, um, I'm going to let you go unless you got anything else to say. Me? Yeah. Loss of words. <laughs> <laughs> Bob, thanks for the, for the time today. And it was interesting learning about your background as a firefighter, as a cop. Uh, as an elk, as a bingo caller, as a man of service committed to his community. Thank you for all of that. And for the insiders who know Bob and I locally, no, you will never get to know what we whisper to each other. It's just a dark, scary place. And it's that not you nothing. Don't want to be. Or, or right. it, could be, it could be nothing, but yeah. It, uh, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Whatever. It, it leaves us a little scarred every Friday morning. That's that's all I need to say. All we've said is, thank goodness we never uh, were in college together because it could have been really bad. <laughs> right, right. We'd still be there. <laughs> but anyway, so cool. thanks, Bob. 
And Thank you. Uh, we will see you next time on You Don't Say. Thanks for listening in. To listen to more episodes, visit us online at youdontsay.net or wherever you listen to podcasts, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, Deezer, and many, many more. If you have a story to tell, if you know somebody who does, or if you just have a few ideas on topics you'd like to hear conversations about, shoot us an email to info at youdontsay.net. Thanks again, and we'll see you in the next episode.